Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1,578. The topic is nutrition and the title is Recent Advice Given to a Nutrition Client. So I thought it would just be fun to go through. Uh, we're going to just read through some entries that I have for a nutrition client. Now this client actually do their training as well. But this is what I do with all of my online clients is we have a Google Doc. They have their own kind of journal and they can write in any questions they have. And then I also provide uh, weekly feedback for training videos and nutrition as well. So I thought I'd just share a little bit about uh, this client's entries so we all could just learn different elements that we were discussing uh, this week. So for this client, they have... Uh, calorie targets, they have training day targets and non-training day targets. And that just is because on days we train, we use more calories, we burn more calories than on days we don't train. <laughs> just kind of makes sense. So you might have heard the term caloric cycling, and that generally refers to not having the same target calories every single day. So if you diet and say, for example, you want to eat between 16 to 1800 calories every day, that's not really optimal because our activity level is different every day. So you'd be getting a different deficit or maybe not a deficit at all on certain days if you just kept your calories exactly the same. So the idea of caloric cycling is that you have some days where you have higher calories, some days you have lower calories, and that is built into match days you have higher activity or lower activity. So that way you can better match the appropriate deficit for the day's activity levels. Now we do have some past podcasts. You can learn about uh, caloric cycling if you want. So we have a, a dieting one based on caloric cycling. That's way, way back. Podcast 173. <laughs> so that was actually back in February 19th of 2019. So still good information, but it's definitely a while back. Uh, if you need to find that, you can go to our website at www.brillarengym.com. We have a podcast player right there. You can listen to the podcast every day. Uh, and we have instructions on how to find older podcasts. A more recent one we have is podcast 964, which is a Q&A podcast titled Caloric Cycling for Weight Gain. So it's actually how I use caloric cycling to help people gain weight or gain muscle tissue. So you can use caloric cycling to gain weight or to lose weight. Pretty cool. Now, the um, other kind of component of that is uh, we have protein targets. Uh, so, for example, his calories for his training day is 2,400 to 2,600. And then his non-training days is 2,200 to 2,400. So it's not a significant difference. It's just a, like a 200-calorie window lower. Now, he does burn more than 200 calories in his training, but I have it set up this way so that way he's not too much of a deficit on non-training days where he's losing his mind and he's super hungry, but he doesn't have a crazy surplus on training days to where he doesn't still have some degree of a uh, deficit. So we're not like So we are still achieving this setup, we're still achieving fat loss on training days. Whereas if I were to feed him more on training days, I'd have to feed him less on non-training days. And that would negatively impact kind of the way in which he would manage it. Now, for some people, I do it that way because of various reasons. For this person, I decided not to do it that way because he trains three days back to back to back, like three days in a row, which then means he has four days of non-training in a row. I don't want his deficit so large on those four non-training days that he loses his damn mind by the third or fourth of those days and eats everything in the house. So 
the way in which I have it set up is it, it blends the fat loss a little bit less individually per day, but it blends it better throughout the week so that way he doesn't have such extreme highs and lows to where he doesn't get a ton of cravings and his, and his general energy is better managed. So it's really fun to know how to kind of modify those components. And then his protein distribution or his goal is a minimum of 180 grams a day. And that's on all days. And part of the reasoning for that is on training days, you definitely need protein because you're beating up your muscle tissues and you're causing a lot of damage. But then also, if you train with an appropriate intensity, and it kind of depends on appropriate for who and blah, 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 blah. But the way in which he trains, he would still be recovering easily 24 hours later, if not somewhere between like 36 to 48 hours. Now, that would be on a singular training day. So if he were to train on Monday... He would still need protein on Tuesday and probably into Wednesday to some degree. Since he trains three days back to back to back, that's a ton of damage that is compounded. Now, he trains on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which means without any doubt, he's still recovering on Monday, Tuesday, and probably into Wednesday. Then maybe by Thursday, you could argue that maybe he doesn't need that much protein, but He's going to be leading right into a workout the next day, so I'd rather have it a smidge above so that way we know that there's not a deficit of protein. We want a little bit of a deficit of calories because his goal is to try to lose some body fat, but we don't want a deficit of protein because that just puts you behind in muscle recovery and joint recovery and then also behind in adaptations from the training. So the protein to be consistent every day makes sense given what protein does. For the calories and fats to be changed every day, which is why our calorie targets are different, that makes sense given what they do. <laughs> so it's helpful to know all that as well. Then he also has a distribution goal where every five to six hours he should have about a third of his calories and protein. So the first five to six hours of being awake, he has one third of his calories and protein. The next five to six hours of being awake, one third of calories and protein. The final five to six or whatever hours of being awake is the final amount of carbs, uh, calories and protein. The idea of doing that was he was coming from a place, and most people do, where they undereat during the day and they overeat at night. What that causes is, is your body is underprotected throughout the day. It doesn't have energy. It doesn't have repair. It doesn't have a lot of the things it needs. So it becomes stressed and it feels as though it, it would be a, a very stressed state. So the body's gone, oh my gosh, I don't have any of my resources. This is miserable. You know, if, if this were to continue, the body would die. The body is very adaptive. So then if you eat a lot of or the majority of your calories and protein at night, that's a, a surplus. In that moment, for those couple hours while your body is digesting the calories and protein, that's a surplus. So the body would say, okay, if I'm coming into that moment ridiculously underfed and malnourished, then I'm going to save the excess as body fat. And I don't know if I'm going to go and do a lot of these extra repairs and stuff because I don't really have the calories for it. I don't have the energy for it. So I'm not going to build as much muscle tissue. I'm not going to repair the joints as much as I could because I have to be protective of the amount of calories I have, the available body fat that I have, in case we have to do that period of time where we were underfed again. So when you undereat during the day and you overeat at night, it causes a, an extreme deficit during the day 
and then there is a surplus in the evening. And due to that extreme deficit, the body saves the surplus greater percentage of body fat, and it has a lesser reactiveness towards building muscle tissue and repairing and doing other things. So I wanted to blend out his calories and, and protein throughout the day. That's why we do the thirds distribution. So that's his targets, his macronutrient targets. Then what I do is for all my nutrition clients is if they do a tracking app like MyFitnessPal, MyMacros, you know, some of my other clients do like Berry-tastic or whatever it is, but it's like a bariatric surgery type of tracking thing. So whatever the heck the thing is that they use, I have them share their login information with me. And then I log into their days, like log into that app, and I look and see on the days, okay, well, what did they eat? You know, what have they eaten? How many calories did they have per meal? How much protein per meal? So, for example, this client, for breakfast, he had a Jimmy Dean's English Muffin Delight. He had Quaker Oats, half cup dry, uh, chai seeds, blueberries. Then he had like a protein kind of powder uh, with some uh, almond milk. What that meal ended up being was 676 calories. There were 48 grams of protein and only 11 grams of sugar, which is awesome. So for this client, I also, we've been talking about sugar control. So I look through, I see the foods they eat per meal. I check out the percentage of, you know, how much protein is in meal compared to the calories. I do all that stuff. So for him on, on the one day, uh, it would it would have been January 29th, uh, he had 2,704 calories, 198 grams of protein. And I said, excellent job. <laughs> so his calories are a little high. So we would want the range of 2,400 to 2,600, but he had 2,700. You know, so it's a little high. It's 100 calories over. Not the end of the world, uh, but it is something to be kind of aware of. But his protein was really good. So since his protein was high, although his calories appear high, the calories include the amount of protein he has. So if protein is high and the calories are a smidge high, that means that he still was in a pretty good control of carbs and fats. Now this is what I do all day looking at this stuff, and that way I can help people. So, for example, the day before, he had 2,577 uh, 2, calories, which was within range. So it looks like a good calorie day. However, he only had 145 grams of protein. So that means he was missing about 40 grams of protein, which is about 160 calories. So although he was in range, there was 160 calories that must have come from carbs and fats that didn't come from protein. So he actually could have had a little bit of a surplus of carbs and fats, so therefore he wouldn't have got as much fat burning on that day. And this is where people get themselves in trouble, is sometimes their macros look good, but the percentage and the distribution don't, aren't correct, so therefore they're not getting the results that they want, and they wonder what's going on. You know, so another day, the day before that, uh, he had 2,700 calories, 2,710 calories and 173 grams of protein. So I wrote, good job, but calories are a little high. But this was leading into his three-day training day. So he had the three-day three block of training. So I said, it's not as much of a concern in the sense that having high carbs and fats on this day is going to ensure that you don't get too far behind by the third training day and all of a sudden you get huge cravings. So it's not the end of the world to have cal like carbs and, and fats high at the beginning of a consecutive day training block. 
You want to definitely make sure your protein's good. Uh, but if the carbs and fats are high, it's not the end of the world. However, we don't want the carbs and fats to be high by the by the third day because although you would want it for energy, it doesn't really do us any good because you're about to go to have four training days off. So if you have con- consecutive training days, it, if you're a little high on carbs and fats on the first of the consecutive training days, not the end of the world, you're about to go train aggressively and, you know, within a couple of days, you're going to get back into a deficit for sure, uh, you know. So it's not the end of the world, you're still going to get good fat loss. But if you're super high in carbs and fats at the end of the training block and then you have some off days coming up, you didn't need to load up all this energy because you're not going to be doing anything for the next couple of days. So you're going to get significantly less body fat loss. So when you have calories high, meaning that you had high carbs and fats, that's important to know on what days would that be okay, what days is that not okay. So the day before, for example, he had only 2,300 and some calories, so roughly about 400 calories less. But that was a non-training day, so that makes sense. But his protein was low again. So his protein was only 150 instead of 180. That's a 30 gram difference. That's a 120 calorie difference. So I wrote to him was, I said, good job overall. Your calories are within range, but protein is low. You started the day well. This is what's interesting is he had good protein for breakfast, but the middle of the day was kind of low, but then he had good protein right before bed. And I told him was, was that's actually, if you're going to mess up your protein, that's the best way to mess it up. (laughs) Because you started the day with good protein, so your body didn't kind of feel behind immediately to start the day. It got what it needed, and within a couple hours, that food's going to digest. And then if you're low in the middle of the day, there will be an accumulation of stress. There will be a reduction in the body doing things with protein, like a reduction in adaptation from training. If you trained that day or the day before, you're going to have a reduction in just general repairs for injuries and annoyed tissues. You're going to have reduction of a lot of protein processes during the day. So there's going to be a little bit of a negative. But then all of a sudden he gets a bunch of protein before bed. Great. So then your body can kind of catch up on some of the stuff it missed during the day. And it'll have good protein while you sleep to do some protein-y things. (laughs) So if you're going to mess up your protein, make sure you have good protein to start the day and good protein before you go to bed. If you're going to mess up, mess up in the middle. So that's important to know. The day before that. His calories uh, were 2,451. They should have only been 2,400 at the highest. So he is over by 51 calories, but it's not really that significant. However, his protein was low again. (laughs) So his protein was low again. And I said to him, I said, he had good protein at breakfast and lunch, but dinner was low. You got a protein shake in before bed, it looks like. Uh, So that was good to buffer it being low, but it was still low. So I wanted him to know that if he's getting some low days here and there of protein, but his calories are on point, it's not the end of the world. You know, if you miss your protein one or two days a week, but it's only by like, say, 20, 30 grams, it's not the end of the world. You're doing fine. You know, we don't want to miss it by a lot, but we don't want that to be too many days. You know, if you if it's too many days, you get behind on muscle and joint repair, and it starts to create excessive carbs and fats, which reduces body fat, um, you know, reduction. It reduces general leanness. Uh, so, it's important to be aware of our protein content and make sure that it's the appropriate percentage of our total calories. But if you miss one or two days, it's not the end of the world. We just don't want that to be, uh, you know, a recurring theme. So if it's one or two days a week, meh. 
you know, would we like it to be no days a week? Sure, I want to hit my protein every day, every day. But if I miss one or two days, it's not the end of the world. Okay. Now, the last day that I did a review in this recent entry was on the 24th of January. He had 2,430 calories. So again, he's over on 30 calories, on, uh, but it's not overly significant. 30 calories doesn't really matter much. So he did a pretty good job getting uh, near, the, near the range of 2,200 to 2,400. But his protein was awesome. So love it. He had 199 grams of protein. Hell yeah. Dance, dance, dance. <laughs> so it makes me very happy. Uh, but I'm very happy for him. And what's nice is even though he's 30 calories over in his calories, his protein was so high that likely the extra calories would have come from the protein. So he still would have had a great level of control for his carbs and fats. So awesome, awesome day. Wonderful. Love those days. They make me happy. <laughs> so that is what we do uh, as part of our nutrition service is I give people, you know, calories, protein, distribution targets. We do talk about cholesterol. We talk about sugars. We talk about fiber. We talk about whatever else the person, that individual needs. And then I go through and I check their foods every day. I see what foods they're eating. You know, if, if a certain, like, for example, say, uh, like some people are very sensitive to water bloat and water manipulation, body water retention. But if they have high degrees of variance in sodium from day to day, that can cause uh, that change of water retention in the body and especially differing degrees of carbohydrates. So sometimes if I'm working with somebody and say they have a little bit of a, you know, an eating issue and they're very sensitive to how tight their clothes feel from day to day. Checking sodium levels is very helpful because that could be contributing to part of the reason why they feel different one day versus another day. Now, what's fun to know about that is they might think they're overeating or they're gaining body fat. Whereas if they just normalize their sodium, all of a sudden they don't feel as fluffy from one day to the next. They feel much more stable mentally and we have a great process. They don't go through these under eating, overeating binge cycles. So it's really cool to know that. So this client doesn't mention that we don't really have that as an issue but just for fun just to have reference on one of his days he had 5149 grams of sodium not the end of the world that was actually a training day uh so it's a little high, it's definitely higher than the like the recommended average but the recommended average is for like non-athletes so that's a, like that would be his number for one day is 5149 milligrams of sodium then the very next day he had 4220 not too much of a difference, pretty consistent there. The next day, he ended up with 5,420. So you can see, like, he's relatively consistent. The following day, he's at 4,191. So he's kind of doing pretty good, just varying back and forth, uh, roughly like 15, 20-ish percent. So pretty cool. Good job there. Uh, but some people, you know, they might have a day of 4,000 milligrams of sodium. They freak out a little bit, feel a lot of water bloat that day. Uh, so then all of a sudden, you know, the next day they undereat. Their sodium's only like 1,500, but they feel super ravishy. You know, they're really hungry, big cravings. So then all of a sudden the next day they overeat again. They do high carbs and the sodium goes back up to like 4,000. They get a ton of water retention and then they freak out and undereat again. So there's a lot of variableness uh, in other elements when we look outside of calories and protein, you know, carbohydrate con consumption, if that widely varies, that can widely change your uh, water retention, which changes your body weight and how tight your clothes feel from day to day. We look at sugar, sugar, we look at cholesterol, we look at any element like fiber, whatever helps that individual. But I love it because I get to kind of 
go into their world, see the foods they eat, see the timing of things, and then give feedback about uh, specific foods or the way in which the numbers are turning out. So I really love that. I thought that would be fun to share just kind of a couple tips or just information that I usually talk about with my nutrition clients. Cool. Well, of course, I'm going to take the opportunity <laughs> that if you are interested in nutrition coaching, you can learn about that on our website at, at www.brillianergym.com. So we have nutrition-only coaching, we have nutrition and training coaching, and then we also have our live monthly programming service where you get brand new programs every four weeks. It includes nutrition um recommendations and how to set up your own nutrition program and then that service also includes free Q&A. You can ask me any questions you want at any time and I will answer them at least once a week. I try to do it more often if I can uh, but at least once a week I go through and I answer every single individual person's questions pretty awesome. So you get brand new programming every four weeks and you get to ask whatever questions you want and I answer them. So tons of education and then everybody else gets to kind of see the questions uh, in, in that service. On my one-on-one -on -one clients their journal is private. Only you and I will see it. But in the live monthly programming the questions are visible to everybody. Now your name isn't tagged to it so nobody knows who wrote what uh, but that document is open to everybody in the group so that way everybody can learn from the answers so I really love the idea of all these services I love being able to help people one-on-one -on -one, but I also love offering people great programming and great education at a little bit of a cheaper cost and that's what that live monthly programming service is for Cool. Check all that out if you want on our website, www.brewlarengym.com. Now, if you have any questions, feedback, suggestions, really anything that you want to know, let me know at my email, brewlarengym at gmail.com. And then if you like our podcast, please share it. it. When you share it, let people know that we answer questions for free. That's the whole idea of what this podcast is, is just to help people with education. And if you have any specific questions, we want to be able to help you by answering them. And thank you to those who donate to support that process and help, help support the podcast so we can continue to help people. You can donate on our website www.brillianergym.com even just five dollars a month it helps a lot it adds up it really does help so thank you to everybody who's been doing that it really helps cover the overall cost uh somewhat <laughs> so just lessen the cost for me i appreciate very much and then if you like the information we share in our podcast you can find more from us on our social media channels i post on instagram every day also on youtube a lot so find us and follow us under the name brutal iron gym as always i hope this was helpful and thank you for listening